Hi there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Mark Goriafi, a professional domain broker and the principal of MrPremium.com, a domain name brokerage and acquisition firm that has brokered millions in premium name sales, achieving countless industry and registry sales records. Today, Mark and I talk about how his gift of gab that has always proven profitable for him later in life wasn't always the case during his early school years. We also discuss how he leveraged a career as a wrestling personality, parlaying it into brokering .club and .global domain names. In addition, Mark unveils how he positions companies to realize innovation through the education and use of new domain extensions, CCTLDs, and domain hacks to promote their brand. And last but not least, Mark also sheds light on how MrPremium.com uses Clubhouse to promote and broker domains as well as other outbound marketing tools such as LinkedIn, Mixmax, and more. So with that, Mark, welcome and thank you for making time to join us today. Thank you very much, Alvin. Much appreciated. Another day, another dime, another dollar, another day here in Domaining Paradise, and it's a pleasure to be here. Indeed, another day in Domaining Paradise. You're actually in paradise, though. I mean, you're in Florida, out of all places. I am. I use my surroundings to my advantage for my personal <laughs> and for my Domaining life, to say the least. But yep, here truly in the sun, sand, and sea, what a place to be. Sun, sand, sea, what a place to be, man. Hey, that, I was wishing I was wishing for it a few weeks ago, uh, seeing that I live here in Austin, Texas, and uh, we had the winter storm um, from Hades, to say the least. But hey, we are doing better. Like I said, man, I'd love that sand, sun, and, and sea. So I'd love to be there with you. But hey, until, until things can get to a place that my family can get down to Florida, man, we'll have to settle for this interview today. But that being said, Mark, to kick things off, briefly share at a high level with our listeners just a bit about yourself, you know, who you are, your personal and your professional background. Sure. I mean, I came into this industry accidentally. I fell into this industry. <laughs> and I originally, I mean, I, I don't know what I would be doing today with my life if I hadn't accidentally fallen into the beautiful, wonderful world of domaining. And it was back in 2014, I knew that my future footsteps were in America. That's something I've always wanted as from a kid coming from England. And I wanted to move to America. But at that time, I didn't really have any idea of a particular career or job entry. I didn't really know what I was doing. So through uh, different headhunters and through those type of companies, I managed to actually get an interview with a company called dot club domains the dot club domain registry and at that point no idea who they were all i knew is as just mentioned they were in the sun sand and sea that was very attractive to me in the fort lauderdale florida area and of course through getting to have my interview with jeff sass the cmo of dot club i ended up getting the job moving to america and the rest is history, as they say. Now, what actually happened was at that time, the dot club domain registry were heavily focused on lots of celebrity-related aspects to do with celebrity fan clubs and celebrity membership clubs. And I had a little unique background, which is through the domain, uh, through, excuse me, through the world of wrestling, through sports entertainment and the mm. wrestling industry. And so I actually did, I played a character, a gimmick fan character, known as the WWE Superman. And <laughs> through, through that, through my passion of wrestling, 20 plus years of 
actually being very personally acquainted with a lot of the superstars, the wrestlers, the beavers, I was able to harness my past to bring into my present and actually leverage that for my career in the meaning. I was able to reach out and gain some celebrity, uh, some celebrity and public figure uh, to join the club at that point. Through my time at Doc5, I spent two years there. I advanced within there into the premium domain space, and they saw that I had what they believed was a knack for sales. So I moved into the Doc Club premium domain space and was able to have some record-breaking success with them at that time. And then after that, I actually expanded my global horizons and joined the Doc Global domain registry, working alongside the wonderful Rolf Larson, the former CEO and founder of Doc Global. And it was again there that I ventured forth as the director of sales specifically related to premium domains for the dot global domain registry. And it was a very enjoyable roller coaster because when it comes to these new domain extensions, one layer that needs to be added to the equation is the teaching to a lot of people that don't know these exist, that don't know these new domain extensions exist. And again, with the .global domain registry, I broke some records and I had some success. And then in June of 2019, Affilius, the world's second largest domain name registry operator, actually acquired the .global domain extension. And I was asked very fortunately to transition and join the Affilius team in the role of the director of premium domains. And again, had some nice record-breaking success there as well within the premium domain sales. And then it would have been, what? when would it have been? October, October 2020 last year, I had some personal aspects that I needed to deal with. And MrPremium.com was born, my brokerage and acquisition firm, who had in December, at that time, broken the all-time .io domain record with our sale of bank.io for 80000 as part of a $100,000 deal. And it was just an enjoyable process to be part of into the internet history, part of change, part of advancement. And I think that this industry is filled with people of passion. I always say, if you like domaining, you'll be gone in six months because everyone in this industry loves domaining. And that is something, as I said, I don't know what I would be doing otherwise because I have a passion and it is in my blood now. I love this industry with a passion. <laughs> well, I can certainly tell, man, just how you're passionately uh, talking about it. And so now one thing that's interesting to me, let's go back and talk about before you got into to wrestling. So have you always had this knack for sales and marketing or kind of walk us through where that that where that comes from? Is that, you know, through your your lineage and family genealogy or is this just something that has just been an innate gift within you within this generation that has just come to surface? Yeah, well, if we go we, all the way back to my childhood, my mom and dad, uh, who are back in England right now, my mom and dad always says, Mark, you can sell snow to an Eskimo, mud to a farmer, and spend to a Bedouin. Um, <laughs> I've, I, feel, I feel that I've always had that selling ability. And as you can hear right here, right now, I love to talk. And one thing, actually, going back to even my school days, my high school days, and even prior to my high school days, when you had those parent-teacher days, Mark was good, Mark is good, Mark is good. But one thing, one thing, one thing that always came up as a negative at that point, which was <laughs> Mark, talk, Mark talks too much. Mark distracts others through his talking in class. Mark continuously is talking. 
And I've managed to use that talking ability to my advantage now in my later years. I've now been able to use that in a career and use my talking abilities to make money for myself and to obviously make money for my clients and for any of the registries that I've worked for through the, through the portal of selling. So, uh, yes, I, I feel that I was always had that with inside me, and I've been able to channel and harness it in the right direction to capitalize on that for myself and my career. Now, when did that, Mark, when did that happen? And now, obviously, you mentioned that, you know, it was the parent-teacher conferences where it was coming up as a negative. And so, obviously, if that comes up so often, many times for people, that would either crush their spirit, you know, um, cause them to actually turn against their gift, you know, so to say. And so when did things actually turn for you that you saw what was deemed as a negative? How did you flip that into a positive? When did that happen? Well, I'm a big believer in what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think with everything, my goodness, with everything that's gone on the past year with the pandemic, that literally is a literal statement. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think that even when I was uh, 14, I had a major accident when I was 14 skiing and I had to get helicoptered off the ski slope. I oh, wow. had a major, major surgery with my leg. Uh, this was in Italy at the time, in the Italian Alps. And... I was the first person to put my name on the next. This was part of a school ski trip. This was part of a school skiing trip. And I was the first person to put my name on the next year's ski trip because I only managed to get three hours on the ski slope before I managed to. And by the way, I would love to say I was doing a double black diamond slope. And I was doing a big Sadly, this was my first ever skiing lesson, my first ever skiing trip. And it was three hours, and I'm very sad to say it was on the baby slope of all slopes. And <laughs> I'm, uh, yes, really. And again, I think that it's one of those things that if I see an area where I'm not strong in, I will either use those around me as part of a team to be cohesive and make that strength a whole. Or if it's something within myself that I want to achieve, then I will continue and continue to do it, learning from my mistakes in order to achieve what I want to set out to achieve. And that is pretty much the same uh, what you're in reference to. If somebody has told me this is a negative, this is a negative, okay, I'm going to listen because I want to learn. But at the same time, if I feel that that is part of who I am, I'm not going to change who I am. I just need to harness it in the right way to my advantage. Right, which you then parlayed into uh, into this love and, and really gaining experience in the world of wrestling. And so the one thing that's just kind of mind-boggling for me is just thinking of how does one go from wrestling into domain name? You know, there are certain things that you that you can look at and say, oh, well, you know, I, I was playing baseball and I started playing golf or I was playing soccer and then start playing basketball like there's certain sports have this transferability but to go wrestling <laughs> into domains like you got to help me bridge this how does that happen well as i said i mean it's one of those things that was a passion of mine it was a hobby it was something and by the way i have to quickly mention i'm 160 pounds soaking wet I am not a muscly guy. I'm a thin guy. I never actually wrestled myself. 
In fact, there was a little moment with uh, one of the big wrestling superstars, John Cena. Uh, this was live on a television segment. And he says, good God almighty, this is the only Superman. Bear in mind, my character was a Superman character. This is the only Superman that makes spandex look baggy. <laughs> Somebody get this guy a pint and fish and chips. That, that was one of his things that we said when in, in, in the UK. So I'm not a big guy. I was not actually wrestling myself. It was more, again, on the verbal side of things. Doing um, doing what we're doing now, interviews, doing uh, little promos, <laughs> and from from there, as I mentioned, the at that time the Dot Club Registry was looking to try and advance their celebrity area. At that point, they already had Fifty Cent, who was in the club, and at that point, they were looking to expand their celebrity division, if you want to call it that. Because uh, again, it wasn't necessarily through the money making side of of uh, domaining. It wasn't selling domains to celebrities. It was more about getting the domains into the right hands uh. and letting them use it for the exposure. And so they felt that with my celebrity style background that I was able to bring something to the company, and which I did. And I was able to get a few celebrities on board at that point, but quickly and soon transitioned after that into the sales role itself of premium domain name. Gotcha. Now, coming into domaining through to what, what's likely known by most as a non.com entry point. And so most people come into, you know, the domain industry oftentimes through legacy. So it's going to be .com, .net, .org. There, everybody knows those. But coming in from the angle in which you came in from, which was through the window of dot, dot .club, like how did you go about educating yourself? Because it, it appears to me that you're very quick study that you were able to get up to speed rather quickly and be able to assess the industry and what you needed to do to be able to position yourself for success. So like walk us through a bit of how you did that in the early days of, you know, uh, joining dot club. Sure. Well, again, I hadn't had any previous experience in this industry whatsoever. So I guess you can say I didn't know what I didn't know in terms of the legacy domain extensions anyway. So when I came into the industry, I got to learn something new, whether it would have been .com, .net, .biz, .org, the legacy extensions, or whether it had been the GTLDs, the new domain extensions. Either way, it was going to be a learning curve for me, and I just happened to, to walk on the path of the GTLDs. And again, it was a very interesting learning curve for me, because at that point when I came into .club and into .global and then obviously into affiliates, there was, it's still, well, it is still today, ultimately, a growth stage of the industry. It's the industry's been around for 20, 30 years now with the legacy extension. So ultimately, these new TLDs are relatively new and still growing. And so I was able to be part of that initial growth. And this was, I believe it was uh, 2014 in the dot club domain extension launched, and I joined in 2015. So it was only a year after the company was actually launched anyway. So it was actually a good time for me because ultimately they kind of worked out their, any kinks that may have, they may have had in the first year. And I was able to join at the right time where I was actually able to dive in with the industry as it was really taking off. And again, there's a lot of naysayers out there, people that don't believe in the new extensions. And that is absolutely fine. That's why this industry is such a beautiful industry to be a part of, because everybody has differences of opinion. And there is no right opinion and there's no wrong opinion. There is just simply opinion. And obviously, we have seen successes within a new TLD space. And I had to just learn both independently. Of course, I had to learn about the industry, industry's history, 
but I was also able to stand alongside and work with some of the industry leaders, someone like Colin Campbell and Jeff Sass at Dot Club, Rolf Larson at Dot Global, Steve Heslin at Aphelius. They have been very beneficial in my learning and always there to assist with any questions that I had. And then, of course, through just general conferences, I've attended many, many conferences now. So six years in this industry, I would say I've done around ooh, maybe 300 conferences. I was on the road for the first couple of the years all the time. In fact, as I mentioned to you before this interview, I moved to Florida to live in Florida, and I was never even here. I was continuously on a plane, <laughs> flying left and right, um, country to country, attending different domains conferences. And not just the mains conferences, but other relevant potential conferences for that extension. So I was able to just learn as I went, learn from some mistakes that may have been made, nothing too significant, but just in general, but I always feel that learning from mistakes allows you to progress. And of course, I'm still climbing my ladders. I'm still conquering mountains. I've got a long way to where I want to be, but from where I've come, I'm very happy with where I am today. Right. And it, it uh, I get the sense that, that you've worked, you've gone the opposite way. And like I said, most folks enter in on the legacy story. You've entered in on the new GTLD story, and yet you kind of work your way back into legacy, which it's it's almost, you know, one of those things of, hey, it, it is what it is. It's likely going to happen. That being said, though, in terms of your dot club and dot global experience, like help listeners understand in terms of what was your mindset in how you position, let's say, for instance, uh, with the, the world of wrestling dot club. How did you position, you know, such a domain to this industry uh, or rather to professionals there within the wrestling world? to actually buy into and actually use dot club domain extensions or dot dot club domains rather sure um well again it was fan club related the vertical of fan clubs and membership clubs and potentially subscription clubs um i know that there was um, a very good friend of mine a gentleman called darren young he was a former wwe wrestling tag team champion and we positioned his website at the time with darren young fan dot club so when you read it you're using the right of the dot the word club that actually resonates with what's to the left of the dot so darren young fan dot club and that was his fan club and so we approached them in a way that of course they would love it to have their own fan clubs even if they didn't have one already but uh, being able to actually use it in a unique way being able to have something that oh wow that actually sounds pretty cool i like that it was something quite innovative, and a lot, of the, a lot of the people that I spoke to were very open to innovation and very open to new opportunity, and I think that that's what my unique positioning was to present it in a way where it's going to sound innovative because it is innovative. And again, a lot of these people, and still to this day, it's still an education to let people know that these new domain extensions exist, whether it be .club, .global. I've also had a great deal of success with the .bet, B-E-T, uh, domain extension, and I broke a few records with the .bet extension, which is uh, an affiliate now donuts name. And it was just a very interesting approach because, again, not only are you educating others, but each conversation is different. And you can be, for example, I don't know, a TV salesman 
there's only so much you can say to jazz up uh, about how nice this 50-inch widescreen TV is. But when it comes to domaining, everybody is at a different level of understanding, a different level of knowledge, and also a different level of investment when it comes to investors. So every conversation is different. And I've never really had any two conversations the same, which is always keeps the motivation and your morale high. And I think that that is something that you need when it comes to your job. And again, yes, this is a job. Domaining is a job. It's a full-time job, in my opinion. Some people do it as hobbies. Some people do it just on the side. And other people do it as a full-time career, which is where I fall into play. But ultimately, if you enjoy something you do, if you have a passion for something that you are trying to achieve, then you are going to succeed. And that is where I have found my forte in the domain, in the world of domaining. Ah, now I can hear likely a subset of listeners saying, okay, that's great. Now you were able to position in the fan base or fan club vertical to position.club domains there. But then someone may say, okay, well, Mark, obviously you already were going after folks and you were able to position and connect them with their matching dot club, but they already had exposure and visibility and a fan base of some sort. Now, would you say that that same thing could work for someone who may, who is just starting out in their, uh, let's just say their industry or, you know, whether they're a musician or whatever, could they use a dot fan club and gain the notoriety that someone who already has visibility already has exposure? Could they gain that same awareness from using a dot club? Well, yeah, whether it be dot club or whether it be uh, any other extension, I think when used right, and you can, again, you don't even necessarily need to use it for your primary URL, for your primary website. It can be just to create exposure to your LinkedIn page. It could be redirected to your Facebook page. It could be redirected. Now, obviously, we're seeing a lot of attraction with Clubhouse. You could create a a sub-page that you could then have a dot .club, of course, in reference to the Clubhouse. Now we're seeing a great attraction to dot .club domains with the Clubhouse element. But whether it be Club, Global, or any other extension out there, there is always different ways to harness different extensions to your advantage. It doesn't necessarily have to be for, as we mentioned, a fan club, or it doesn't have to be for one particular area. And that is what I think a lot of the newer domain investors that I've personally spoken to on Clubhouse didn't necessarily realize. I use actually the .in, which is the country code for India, as a domain hack for my LinkedIn. So what's Mark's LinkedIn account? MarkLinked.in. Very easy, very simple, very, very memorable. MarkLinked.in redirects you to my LinkedIn page. And you can leverage different extensions in that way. And you can hack the dot using what's to the right of the dot to the left of the dot to make a make sense phrase or make a make sense word and hack it. And that is what I did with my LinkedIn. And I think there's many different ways of using and leveraging domains, not just as the obvious, I'm going to put it from my primary website. That's interesting, man. That's actually in a, in a clever use there of uh, what's really a domain hack in terms of using the .in extension to uh, redirect mark linked.in to your LinkedIn account. And so now I want to go back, though, to because you were talking about Clubhouse there for a minute and how folks are okay. using .club domains. So are they, I guess, using it in the same sense that you're using the .in? Are they redirecting that .club domain to a certain clubhouse, uh, club in clubhouse, or are are they directing redirecting it into a certain room, or kind of walk us through a, at least what you've been seeing, how people have been using it? 
Well, what I've been seeing is they've been, a lot of people have been positioning themselves in a way that their actual name, or at least part of their prominent part of their profile, has had that particular domain name showing. And when you go to a lot of these, and I've, I've done this with a few of them, it will redirect again, very similar to what I just said, maybe to a bio page. It might be a bi biography page about them, which on that biography page has, a, has links to their businesses. And we're talking here some more of the prominent members of the clubhouse, which have obviously seen uh, lots of followers to their, to their account, and they are clearly very successful entrepreneurs. But also, I've seen when it comes to redirecting to rooms, we have seen this within our domaining community, in fact, that some of our domain community have been setting up landing pages, uh, whether it be for domain auctions or whether it be for different other reasons. They've actually been creating simple pages and directing people to that particular page using the .club or whatever domain extension it may be. And then on there, they have regular updates to what's going on in Clubhouse, what they're hosting in Clubhouse in the, in the rooms. So again, there's many different ways. They're the main two ways I've seen, but I know that people are directing them. I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure whether you're able to yet to redirect the domain to a specific Clubhouse club, a specific Clubhouse room. I'm not sure if that's even possible yet, but I do know that people have been creating landing pages, but at least leveraging their brand within the Clubhouse community to create awareness on a greater scale. Now, speaking of Clubhouse, Mark, like, have you hosted any rooms, moderated any rooms? I think I did see a room that you, I think it was a, a, a premium domain name that you were, had listed in the, in the room title. Yes. I mean, I've, I'm somebody that always tries to be creative. <laughs> and in fact, in fact, it was, um, who was it? It was Michael Seiger from dnacademy.com who actually reached out to me on Facebook and says, Mark, I see you're promoting this particular domain name in in a clubhouse room title, like what's that all about? And I said, look, we've had the first domain sale on Clubhouse. That was from Ashwin to Andrew Rosnar. I think I believe it was a two-letter.org for around thirteen thousand dollars. We then had the first auction, the first domains auction, of course, now followed by many other auctions that are taking right. place on a daily basis. We've had many different firsts, and I thought, okay, I have not yet seen anybody actually put a room with the title. This domain is for sale. I believe it was actually donations.com. Donations.com is for sale. And then I put my email there. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to capitalize on Clubhouse even when I was not using Clubhouse. Uh, I got a little bit addicted and a little bit uh, obsessed with Clubhouse. I was one minute, it was 7 p.m. And I looked at my clock and the next minute it was 5 a.m. And I was still in the Clubhouse room talking <laughs> away. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful because one minute it can just take away your time. And of course, I have other commitments and other obligations with MrPremium.com. I can't be sitting in Clubhouse for 24 hours a day. But I was trying to use Clubhouse even when I was, for example, on this particular day, I was going to the grocery store and I left my iPhone, which I actually bought an iPhone specially for Clubhouse. I'm a user <laughs> and I bought an iPhone. I'm not an Apple. I'm not an Apple guy, but I gave in to uh, society's outburst uh, <laughs> of this Clubhouse platform. I bought myself an iPhone and um, I left the iPhone on my kitchen countertop. I then, I don't know, I went to the grocery store, did my usual daily things, and I came back, and I actually had an email in my inbox saying, hi, Mark, I've seen that you had this particular domain for sale through Clubhouse. I'm going to make a $10,000 offer. 
So what I was trying to achieve was achieved. Sadly, at that point, the domain that in question, that wasn't the price range we were looking for. But ultimately, my objective was met, and I left the clubhouse room over, open. I'm not saying that this is something I'm going to continue to do, but ultimately, I wanted to try and see if the opportunity was there in a creative way. And well, again, there wasn't the result that I was looking for, but ultimately the success was there. It just happened that the price wasn't the price range we were looking for. But um, I feel that using Clubhouse right now is still early stages in the domains industry. I think we're having a lot of auctions going on right now, and I love it. I absolutely love these auctions because at the moment it's more low-hanging fruit. Um, you're not going to necessarily – we haven't really seen any significant six-figure, of course, no, seven-figure sales on Clubhouse. But I believe it is just a matter of time. We just got, as a community, we need to figure out better footsteps forward. And it's happening now. Different members of the domaining community are taking those footsteps forward. I have been part of many different rooms. I've moderated some rooms. I've hosted a few rooms. But ultimately, what I'm trying to do now is actually not just stick with the domaining group. Because in a domaining group, there's going to be domainers. And if you're like trying to reach an end user, that's not the right group to be in. Uh, so I started actually entering into different startup groups, startup clubs on Clubhouse, different entrepreneurial clubs. And I'm not looking to invade their territory and invade their conversation by doing a sales pitch. Absolutely not. But it's no harm in getting involved in the conversation. And when at appropriate time, you can happen to throw in a comment there that this particular domain is available. And as long as you've given some input and some relevant content, I don't see there being any harm to a little, a little uh, cheap pop to say that a particular domain is available. And I think that that is where we're going to start seeing some more success when people in the domain community venture outside of domaining groups to try and reach end users for the bigger sales. That, that's a great point because that, that's a, a bit of what we're seeing is, um, and some people have said it, it's, it's, you know, great. We have a new method, a new way of communicating with one another. Uh, that's definitely bringing us closer in proximity to folks that Absolutely. normally you wouldn't otherwise be able. I mean, obviously, you and I, we may be able to pick up the phone and dial up a few of these folks and have one hour, two hour, three hour conversations. But the common person who's just getting into the industry, that's not necessarily the case. But Clubhouse basically levels that playing field, if you will, to allow for folks to hear from people, to be in the same room, to raise their hand, get on stage, ask a question, um, actually engage with folks. You made a great point there in terms, and I was sitting there wondering as you were talking about Clubhouse, how does someone who uh, makes a living buying and selling ultra premium and premium domains, like how do they make the best use of Clubhouse? And you perfectly pointed to it is really getting outside of the, the bounds of the normal domain industry or domain investors per se. Yeah, you probably come in, you listen, you in, engage, interact. But for you, likely it's the, the world of startups uh, or the, the corporate branding uh, type of um, conversations that are going on in other, in other uh, rooms that you're you know, certainly diving into and, and when presented with an opportunity, you know, you're able to kind of chime in and, and add a bit of value there. And so that that's interesting to me. Um, and I always wonder, like how people like yourself, you know, use Clubhouse to, you know, your advantage. So that's great, man. 
And I think when it comes to the um, to the clubhouse side of things, I I just wish I wish I had clubhouse when I joined the industry, because from what you just said, listen, learn, and ask questions. I think that's important, very very important for the new domain investor to yes, of course you can sit back and listen, and I think that is extremely important. You've got the the quality of some of the people in these rooms. Some of these super industry players who have been in the industry and made their millions and have had their successes. If I had that opportunity when I came into the industry on, a, on an hourly basis, 24 hours a day, Clubhouse is never off. I can go on right now and I'm sure that there's some people in there of very prominent status who have been in this industry for 20, 30 years. And to have that access, to have that access, is, is unbelievable. And I believe that going forward, the domain investor is going to be, become higher quality much quicker. And you're, going to make, you're still going to make mistakes. Everybody has to go through the journey of making mistakes in this industry, just as we've seen recently with this big surge of uh, a particular extension. And I've seen that the dot club, obviously, dot club domains have had a huge success. Congratulations for the team there. But when it comes to the investor side, I think that a lot of people are going to soon realize in a year from now when they come to renewal time that they may have jumped in too quickly and invested too much without the knowledge of, okay, I'm not going to buy 100 domains today and sell all the 100 domains in a year. In fact, as we all know in the industry, it's a very, very low percentage. One, two, three percent of a portfolio traditionally sells in a year's period. and I think that it's very important that people listen, engage, and ask questions. And if you don't know, well, it's quite simple. If you, you don't know what you don't know. So if you learn and you <laughs> experience other people's comments, that is when you're actually going to grow. And I think that that is what this clubhouse is allowing. Clubhouse is allowing for growth within the startup within the starting investor community and for the rest of us, including myself. I'm learning new things on a daily basis. I'm learning about new tools that I can use that I've not known about. And it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. Oh yeah, it it really is. And it it also makes me want to juxtapose something like a clubhouse versus something like a names con. Um, which you and I are both familiar with, uh, likely been to, to conferences just like the uh, just like namescom many but it, it really makes me you know juxtapose and go man how is clubhouse actually changing the uh future for a given domain conference like namescon for instance because i think in, in our last namescon not the ones that was online but the one that was our last in person which was uh, man it's hard to believe that that was january 2020 it seems ago, like four yeah. years ago <laughs> 14 months ago now, 14 months ago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And so during now, during your NamesCon session, though, um, I guess it was that that session was entitled The Curious Case of .io and .org. Now, a domain sale came to light in that. And so interesting enough, you had sold domain.io for $50,000. Like, obviously, you started with .club, .global. You got into a few other uh, nod.com extensions, but then you you certainly landed some sales, some sizable sales in .io. Like, how did you get over into that lane? Yes, I've had very fortunate success with .io. I've completed, uh, MrPremium.com has completed around $450,000 worth of .io sales the past eight months. 
Wow. And in, as I mentioned, in, in December, at that time, we actually broke the all-time.io extension record with our sale of bank.io for 80000 which has subsequently been broken in the last three months twice, another sale of 88000 and an incredible $175,000 sale. So the IO extension is on fire. And I feel that I managed to, again, it was, it was an accident. I managed to accidentally fall in with this extension uh, during my time at Affiliates. And Affiliates has uh, a lot of over uh, Affiliates oversees some of the back end to the IO extension. And during my time with Affiliates, I was able to start doing some outreach for some of the reserve names that have been on a private list for many years. It's literally forgotten about sitting there doing nothing. I actually started doing some outreach for those and gained some sales at that time. And then as time has gone on, I managed to continue doing outreach for the .io and gained some very prominent names. We, in fact, it's been called the world's most elite collection of .io domains for sale on one platform, which is at mrpremium.com. And yeah, we did the sale of domain.io, bank.io, domain.io for 50000 just last week. We sold teach, T-E-A-C-H, teach.io for 35000 And it's been an enjoyable journey. I think the .io extension is now just going to continue to get stronger, bigger, and better within the industry, within the world. And I mean, .io, for those that may not necessarily be versed with it, .io is a country code extension um, uh, for, the, uh, for the British Indian Territory, uh, British Indian Ocean Territory. But IO has been adopted greatly by the tech community and the gaming community because for the connotation of IO being input-output, which has a lot of relevance to the tech, tech world. And yes, I mean, obviously the last few years, there's been lots of investors out there doing very well with the .io extension. But I just believe I fell in with it at the right time when it was really starting to peak. I've managed to make some very nice sales, make some nice headlines, and ultimately have some very nice inventory going forward. And um, it's just an enjoyable, an enjoyable extension to be because, again, the IO extension is not something that I even understood when I first sold one of the names. I had to learn myself. And during NamesCon, as you mentioned, I gave a, I gave a talk at NamesCon about the IO extension. And just days prior, I was still having to do some primary research of my own to, to understand the IO extension because I know it sells, I know it's popular, and I know that it, in the aftermarket, it is moving. But I still didn't necessarily understand why. So it is a very interesting learning curve. When I don't understand something, I need to understand it better for my own internal reasons. And that is where we are right now. IO seems to be shifting, moving, and increasing, and I'm loving being part of that. Yeah, I still don't know. I, <laughs> let me be. <laughs> let me be. Like I still don't know about .io, and it, it's it's one of those things that you know prices have really skyrocketed in a way that it is really really hard. At least for someone like me, and I've not done a lot of digging into uh, .io. Probably not as not not as much as I probably should. But that being said. Like, it's hard for me to delineate, like, are we dealing with wholesale pricing or are we dealing with end user retail pricing? Like, it is all over the place. And so there is a part of me that says wholesale prices have drastically risen. And that's okay because there are end user pricing that just keep going 
further north uh, and, and well into the uh, six-figure uh, land, it looks like now. Um, obviously, we had the one sale, I believe, is $175,000 for metaverse.io. And so, it with all signs tend to at least to keep pointing north. And so, I don't know. I mean, is that something that you know? Have you been able to really get a good grasp on where and how things are settling in terms of wholesale versus retail pricing? Well, as you mentioned, the wholesale price has drastically increased the last a year or so, maybe a couple of years. And I think that's just because there's more traction to it. So these uh, platforms like park.io, where you're able to go and backorder your domains, I think places like that, at one point, uh, prior to me even being involved in IOs, I've heard from other investors that you were getting some good one-word names, even, in, even as low as below the $1,000 range. Now those same type of caliber one-word.io names you're looking into the low four figures, mid four figures, and in some even high four figures. Uh, and I think that, as you said, there is a balance though. Even though the wholesale price might be increasing, so is the end user sale. So is the sales on the aftermarket. And I have done a lot of my sales to end users. A lot of these, uh, a lot of this $450,000 worth of .io sales, I would say about three quarters of that have been for end user prospects. And I've also sold to investors, and uh, I think that you've just got to be able to, to position yourself in a way where you know what you need to do in order to try and try to the best of your ability to sell these names. There's no point coming in and trying to buy a, a mid or high four-figure.io name if that is actually what really the end user value is going to be. So I think just diving into the deep end with IOs as a new investor for the IOs, you've obviously just got to do your research, understand where the position is right now. But I think one word, English spelling .io word, IO names are where it is at right now. We have had the metaverse.io, and I'm going to use that as an anomaly at this moment in time because what an incredible sale. Now, what an incredible sale that is. And I'm hoping that more one-word IOs are going to start reaching a six-figure level on a more regular basis. I do know that uh, there is lots of mid to high five-figure movement right now, and I'm just looking forward to continuing on the IO path, footsteps forward and flying high um, to success with the IO extension. And again, this isn't just myself. This is aftermarket sales. If you read the reports each week or every biweekly in DN Journal, if you look on name bio, you're going to be seeing that there is a regular movement with the IO extension. And again, MrPremium.com is very excited because uh, it is a journey that we're a part of and we're very proud to be a part of. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That is amazing. And, and you know, for what it's worth, meta, Metaverse.io, uh, uh, some people may be wondering, well, who the heck sold that? And that was Andrew Ro uh, Rosner. And so what's interesting about that is while domains themselves have this intrinsic value, um, I often say that there's additional value added based on who's selling it and that perceived value or reputation and character of that person to be able to vet and value names accordingly. And so uh, to a certain extent, I look and say, is Metaverse, you know, .io worth that $175,000? Who knows? Time will tell in, in conjunction. And, and like you said, right now it's an anomaly, but who's to say that, you know, Mark doesn't come along and top that at 200,000, 300,000 with another .io that then starts to level that playing field to say, okay, hey, this, this is no longer an anomaly because we have the industry top vets that are being able to look and say, no, actually, yeah, the values that we're seeing are actually 
well-balanced values in terms of things going further north um, into the higher six-figure range. Now, one thing that you mentioned, Mark, uh, to me that kind of stuck out uh, moments ago, you were talking about doing outreach for given domains. And so what does a given day or week look like for, for Mark when you're doing your outreach for MrPremium.com, uh, your own you know domain brokerage? Like, what does that look like? What does outreach look like? Well, I have never, ever had the luxury of inbound sales in this industry. All the millions in sales I've completed have been through outbound. I think if I'd started on the flip side and I'd started having inbound leads, like I'm sure, of course, GoDaddy and Cedo and a lot of these companies are going to have hundreds or thousands of inbounds each day or each week. I've never had that. So it's about, I've had to continuously hustle and figure out different footsteps to find my own path to successes. And again, I'm continuously changing that. There is no one successful path that I can say that has always been continuously there. It's about adapting, modifying your approach. But ultimately, I have been doing email outreach, phone calls, heavy social media, and of course, in general, word of mouth. Uh, With my email outreach, that is a very important part of the sales process. We actually use some sophisticated software that ultimately does email scraping. We get the email addresses for potential warm and hot leads. I never like to say cold leads because a cold lead to me is... (laughs) Have you had an accident? Do you need did you need car insurance? I mean, that is not what we do. If there is an obvious well, That's good, Mark. <laughs> there is there that's not what we do. I like to call them warm leads. Any make sense opportunities whereby a particular name could fit very well for their portfolio. And when you approach them, that they want to open your email because you can they can actually see already just in the subject some potential value that they may be able to benefit from. So at that point, we actually, and of course, you've always got to be careful with uh, email scraping, which is something we do, but one of the manual labor, hard and boring parts of my, not sorry, excuse me, one of the manual labor, not very difficult, but quite boring parts of my job is to sift through literally thousands and thousands of email addresses to make sure that, of course, you pick out any ones that are obvious that you shouldn't really be contacting. Even though this data is out there in the public forum on their websites and in different places, you've always just got to be careful about, especially with GDPR and a lot of different legal aspects, who you're contacting and how you're approaching. And I feel that using some software to be able to create campaigns, we use something very simple, but sometimes simplicity is the most effective, something called Mixmax which is a very basic Gmail extension, which I pay about 60 bucks a month for, and it creates internal campaigns. I will send a batch of about 3,000 to 5,000 emails per week for a set of different domain names, and then that will actually create separate rules. So if somebody opens my email five times but hasn't replied, it will automatically send a second email a week later just updating them with some more information. If somebody clicks a particular link, I will be able to know what link they've clicked and actually adapt my next approach to them in a way that I now know they have more knowledge, so I'm able to talk about different things. But of course, what I like to then try and do is funnel down that targeted, that very wide net approach into a more targeted approach and actually try and pick up the phone. 
I always feel creating a foundation of relationship with anyone you're talking to is very, very vital to not just the sale today or the potential sale today, but to a relationship that could blossom for the future. Because even if a sale doesn't happen on why you're approaching them today, that relationship could be very fruitful and beneficial for the future in many different ways, not even just for the sale, selling process, but for connections, for networking, for everything else. And um, then, of course, we've got my social media that MrPremium.com does on an hourly basis. In 2020, alone, just 2020, and just in reference to LinkedIn, we completed around $400,000 worth of domain sales through LinkedIn promotions, marketing, and advertising. And that is not paid for advertising. That is quite literally just myself putting regular content out on a daily and hourly basis, trying to harness what I have around me. So I'm very fortunate to live in a beach location. And so a premium location for MrPremium.com is what I try and push and promote out there. Whether it be just a few days ago, I was swimming in the ocean. And there I have got my GoPro swimming under, doing a bit of snorkeling, and then I've got my GoPro, and then I do my, what I like to call my MrPremium.com spiel. And I say, another day, another dime, another dollar, another day in domain paradise. And I'm trying to create some unique content to put out there, but also have consistency. Consistency with your branding, consistency with your messages. If you're, gonna, if you're going to create some graphic content, make that consistent. So when people see it or happen to pass by it, they automatically already know it's to do with you and your brand. So I think branding is very, very important and not just continuously changing your messages. Have something consistent. And I think that ultimately, and then of course, word of mouth. Things like I'm doing right now here on this interview, just when possible, and hopefully not too much, but when possible, mention what you do. Mention to people what you have. Right. There is no harm in some self-promotion because ultimately you are trying to succeed and your success is someone else's success and someone else's is yours. And I think this industry is a very tight-knit niche community. And I think that sales, like you mentioned from Andrew Rosner at Media Options, I think a sale like that, his wonderful.io sale there, has now opened up new opportunities and paths for everybody in the industry within the .io space. So I believe that we really all are one big team. Yes, we might be lots of individual companies, individual, um, individual, in, individual people within the community, but ultimately we are a community. And speaking of, I was going to ask you about that video about you swimming. I, I saw it and I was like, my man, Mark is out there swimming with the fishes in the best sentiment of that with his glasses on, man. And, and at first I was like, wait a minute, did he have his phone underwater? Was he testing it? What was going on? And then you came out of the water. Uh, I didn't have the volume on, but I saw it. I was like, my man, Mark is out there really doing something different here in terms of uh swimming in the ocean and, and making a name for uh himself and the brand mr premium which brings me to like where did mr premium come from like how did uh, how did you get your hands on that given name and then what just kind of how did you decide to brand your domain brokerage as mrpremium.com well, I have to say, and I'm, I'm not quoting Martin Luther King here, but I had a dream. I had a dream. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> well I, had played. A, <laughs> I had a dream. And truthfully, I woke up one morning 
And I would love to know what I was dreaming about because I can't remember. But all I did was immediately get on my phone and I went to check. I just went to, first I went to the URL itself. I think a lot of people, again, when you're trying to acquire a domain name, always just check if it's in use before you even go and, um, before you even go and look at the aftermarket. Check if it's in use. And it redirected to uh, a domain's aftermarket. And Mr. Pr- <laughs> I have to say, MrPremium.com paid a premium price before MrPremium.com, that's for sure. But at the same time, we, it was worth it. I had a vision of what I could see that I could do with it. I had this dream one night, went to check it. It was there, and I said, right, that's it. I'm having it. But one of the things that I like to always say is make sure your domain passes the radio test. So if you say the domain out loud, and somebody then types it in just from hearing it, not from visually seeing it, will they end up at the right place? Will they end up at your website where you want them to go? And of course, with Mr. Premium, there is two ways of spelling that. The short version, M-R, as well as the full worded version, M-I-S-T-E-R. So at the same time, I made sure that both were available before I acquired one of them. They were. And I managed to get both of them. So it doesn't matter if you go to the full spelling ah. or the short version. It actually takes you to the right destination. And I think making sure you pass the radio test in the domains industry is also a very valuable asset to a potential sale as well. It's so crazy, man. We're going to have to start calling the radio test. It, we were calling it, uh, obviously, it started with the radio test, but then obviously came the, the world of podcasts. And so it was like, okay, hey, make sure you domain past the podcast or the radio slash podcast test. Now it's like, oh, I apologize, Alvin. I'm here on your podcast. What am I thinking? The podcast <laughs> test. The podcast <laughs> test. <laughs> but, but even we have to take it a step further now. It's like, make sure it passes the clubhouse test. <laughs> Or the, or the Twitter spaces test. It's like, shoot, man, make it. I, I'm almost at a point to go back to the beginning and go, make sure it passes the audio test. <laughs> I think that's probably the safest. Honestly, why did it even move? That's probably the safest bet in all fairness. But no, I think that that is something that a lot of people um, overlook. I did it myself. I, I've, cre- I've actually now started to try and ensure that if I'm brokering names on behalf of any clients or whether it be any acquisitions that I personally made or even when I was at the registry to try and make sure that we have a package to sell. So if they if you want to sell one dot global, for example, try and have the number one as well as O N E. Just to try and ensure that you you have all your traffic. I mean I remember it was actually me and Jeff, me and Jeff Sass from Dot Club. We were at a conference in San Francisco. Um, and I'm, I can't remember the name of it, but let's just say it was Mixer. I'm, I'm not going to say it was Mixer, but I just know that there was a story there that there was three companies in the room at the time, all with the same name, but all spelt differently, and not one of them was the actual .com name. So <laughs> if you're going to hear any of those three companies in the room, they were going, go to this website, go to Mixer, go to Mixer, go to Mixer, go to Mixer. Guess what? The only place that's getting all the traffic is M-I-X-E-R.com. And that was something that I found very, very important. I've actually made some, some errors in my time that I've learned from to, in, to ensure that the main sales, if possible, you have the right sounding versions of it. What you also hear and what you also see can be very different. So make sure it passes the podcast test. 
Yeah, definitely. When you start, you know, trying to spell things phonetically, man, and and you go away from that that spelling a long way from away from it, it can start costing you dollars and cents to say the least. Well, why, well, do Mark, to, why do you want to give away traffic? Don't give away wait. traffic when you're putting all your effort in to ensure that you do what you want to do and succeed. Don't give traffic to others through your hard work. Exactly, exactly. One thing I want to go back to that you mentioned in terms of your outreach. Now, you mentioned a tool, MixMax. And so I'm assuming now that is spelled phonetically the way it sounds, MixMax, M-I-X-M-A-X.com. Correct. Okay. Now, walk us through a little bit. I mean, you, you did kind of allude to the tool, but I guess now, is this a paid tool, free tool? Kind of what, what are we dealing with here? Yeah, I mean, it's a subscription, a monthly subscription. Um, I believe it starts at as low as $20, and it can go up to around 100 a month. But again, it is a very basic software, but it's worked. That's what all I need. It's worked for me with what I've wanted to achieve up until this point. It's an email software that, on a basic level, it will track your opens, it will track your clicks. Uh, any, if you send an email and someone opens it five times, they will let you know that it's open five times. It will give you automatic updates to let you know to, uh, that someone's opened it. I believe it's actually three times. If someone's opened your email three times, they'll actually send you a notification to say that it's been opened three times. Maybe you would like to follow up with this person. It actually gives those hints, prompts, and tips. And I think that with the software, you can create campaigns. And what I like to try and do with my outreach is if you send an email today and that person is having a bad day or maybe that, that person is having an overload of emails or what many, many reasons they may not actually see that email today, even though they're the perfect target. They may even want the domain once they open your email, but if they haven't seen your email, they're not going to know it's available. So using Mixmax allows for a campaign to begin on today. It, you can filter and choose different rules. That's what it's called, rules, R-U-L-E-S, that will then, if someone opens your email three or four times, you can actually customize a new email that gets automatically sent. If somebody clicks something three or four times, you can send a different email that actually you customize because they've clicked there. It's very, um, it's a wide net approach, but you can filter and funnel to a more targeted way. And I feel that doing and being in people's minds, but not too much, you don't want to overload. I know that there are some, uh, some companies out there that like to hit your inbox every day or every week. That is not what we do. This is over a three-month period, maybe once or twice in the first month, and then one, one, one thereafter. Be in sight in mind, because that particular day when they may have read your email, they just may not be in the mind frame to think about it. If you remind them a week later, two weeks later, a month later, they might be in the mind frame to now think and actually act, which will lead to a sale. That's awesome. And so this tool then, Mixmax, is really uh, broker-friendly as well as investor-friendly in terms of affordability well, as well as flexibility and just pricing. It seems like it can grow to be a pretty complex tool as well as just be a simple first step for most of those that are starting out. Yeah. I mean, again, I've used it for several years now. Um, it depends on how many emails you want to send. I send around three to 5,000 emails per week, and it's definitely suitable for that amount of emails per week. When it comes to more than that, you may want to start looking into more 
advanced software, which I am actually now in the process because, quite honestly, I'm trying to reach around 10,000 emails being sent per week, and this does have its limited, uh, does have its uh, limitations. But ultimately, it served me well for several years. I've done well over a million dollars during the time that I've used this in terms of sales. So it's definitely proven successful when you understand it and use it in the right way. And again, your approach is everything. Your approach is everything. If you, if you approach somebody in a very negative way or if you approach somebody, and also your subject line, if you approach somebody with a bad subject line, I think that obviously it's not going to get open. So it doesn't matter how relevant the content is. If no one opens it because of your subject is irrelevant, then no one's going to read it. So I think that that is something I was just having a conversation. That's in my head right now because I'm having a conversation about that with somebody this morning, a new investor, who actually sent me an email. And that, that was the funny thing was, I was genuinely interested in the domain that they have for sale uh, because it's relevant to something I'm doing. And it was just going to be a small sale. I'm probably going to pick it up for a couple of hundred bucks. But I was intrigued by their subject, not because it was good, but because it was awful, and um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not encouraging, I'm not encouraging anyone to write an awful subject to get it open. Absolutely not. But I just couldn't believe that they wrote these particular words in a subject, and it made me want to click because I knew that it was a domain. And sure enough, they had it for sale. And I will admit, on this occasion, it has worked. But I do not encourage putting negative foul language in uh, in a subject. You must buy this S in domain today is not what I would suggest on a typical basis. <laughs> oh, and I man. have to say, Elvin, I am a big follower of your photo post that you put up. Like I know that you recently put up a, a billboard picture of domains in the wild. Yeah. I love that. I love a lot of your posts are also very unique content, Elvin. And um, it's, it's always enjoyable to see your posts on LinkedIn and different social media channels. Well, I run across so many and, and a lot of times it's hard to go sit and, and write an article, crank out an article. And so I basically said, you know what? I was going through my phone. I was cleaning out one day and I was like, I'm just going to start posting these because uh, I was running across some ones that were just horrendous. And it's like, OMG, there was a better option out there for you. But you chose to not only go with the domain, but you chose to build a site on it. And then you chose to put it on a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like there there's so many just miscues and missteps there that I was like, all right, hey, let's put this out there. And hopefully if the company does see it, then they'll kind of get free advice based on it. Uh, and I think I had one that was something like a mobile storage. It was like uh, I remember that it was like about 45 characters long. I yeah, that one. it was like five <laughs> words. It was like mobile something something dash portable storage dot com and i was just like when i saw it literally i just stopped i was like why 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 would you go do this um and then someone actually pointed out i believe it was krista taylor she actually pointed out that the first three words were actually available for hand read and i was like you gotta be kidding me 
You got to be kidding me. So my hope is that companies will see it. The good company, the ones that have good names, obviously I hope it will be a hat tip to them, head nod to them. For those that are in between, it's kind of like, all right, hey, I hope that they take the suggestions that come through the comments uh, for what they're worth. And hopefully they upgrade, you know, to to a better brand, you know, for their for their own sake. So yeah, man. So I do that from time to time. And but I definitely appreciate the support. Put a smile on your face as well. Yeah, put a smile on my face when I see ones like that. Because again, this is, you mentioned that that particular storage one may even have the first three words, but even if it didn't, that's where the industry of new domains comes into play. They could potentially get a a dot storage or a dot whatever else might be out there that might be relevant to their verticals. So that is the beauty of new domain extensions is the fact that you don't need to settle for some five or six 40 character long dot com. You can settle now for something short, meaningful, memorable, and creative. Definitely. Well, Mark, man, wrapping up, hey, man, what would be your advice to someone starting their journey in domain investing or specifically domain brokering? Like, where should they start? Well, first of all, when it comes to domain investing, I, as we've mentioned on this, on this um, podcast, leverage Clubhouse right now. I think Clubhouse is a beautiful learning tool for the new domain investor that you're able to pick up knowledge that just has only really been there on a limited capacity of conferences. Now you've got access 24 hours a day. So join Clubhouse and go into some of the domain rooms, sit back, listen, ask questions, and learn. I think that is a very valuable tool at this moment in time, given the shift in the Clubhouse direction. When it comes to domain brokerage, reputation and trust, honesty, and foundation of relationship, I feel are key factors in any domain brokerage going forward. Hopefully you've got some sales behind you in order to present them, in order to show success. MrPremium.com has had some successes over the years, very heavily within the GPLD space and the .io space, and we're now brokering some very big .com ultra premium names. But ultimately, if you are able to use any past sales and leverage that in a way that you can have success going forward. Use what you've got is what I'm trying to say. Use what you've got and use what you've got in a relevant and consistent manner that brings attention in a positive way to your brand. That is awesome. And so last but not least, I mean, Obviously, their listeners, they've journeyed with us during this podcast. And so there may be folks that want to get in contact with you about some of the names that maybe you have listed on uh, MrPremium.com. And so if they need to get in contact with you or they have additional questions, like how, how do they get in contact with you? Well, I would just simply say at this point, for easy memory, please feel free to visit MrPremium.com. All of the contact information is there, email address, LinkedIn, uh, any any of the relevant information is there. And as I always like to say, another day, another dime, another dollar, another day in domaining paradise. This is Mark Goriafi, the founder of MrPremium.com, coming to you from the sunstone and see what a place to be, the land of opportunity. <laughs> and on top of that, your wife knows it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> your wife. I So when you said it, I literally, my mind went back to your wife on video or, or rather a video recording of you with your wife in the background on video, being able to yeah. say it word for word. 
I, I have to say that did impress me that day. But at the same time, she should know it because she's the camera woman for all the videos. She's heard it about 50 or 60 times. If she didn't know it by now, I would be surprised. But it has been nice to hear that some other industry, industry gentlemen and ladies have been quoting it behind the scenes themselves. So it is enjoyable. Again, repetition and consistency. I think that's key here. So another day, another day, another dollar. And thank you so very much, Alvin, for having me on this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in the near future. Well, Mark, thank you. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to Kickstarter Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstarcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks, and that's all for now. 